Ready, Bill? Ready, Ted. We've spent our whole life trying to write the song that will unite the world. Why can't we just go to the future when we have written it? And take it from ourselves. No way. Our dads are totally in trouble. We should help them out. Dude, let's get that song. Let's rock! Bill and Ted face the music. Ready PG 13. Bonus episode. There's already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and it's all bad Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before We don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Gonna toss it, gonna take it Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, paint, erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carry over counterculture Pushover pop culture all right. Hey, everybody. This is a bonus episode. We're going to be covering first Bill and Ted Face the Music. This is available on video on demand and in select theaters nationwide. Uh, once Told they'd save the universe during a time-traveling adventure, two would-be rockers from San Dimas, California, find themselves as middle-aged dads trying to crank out a hit song and fulfill their destiny. That's what we're going to be talking about. Bill and Ted face the music. Been waiting 29 years for this one. And we are not alone, Jake. We've got guests this week to talk about Bill and Ted face the music. Oh, thank God. We have Paul Hart from the animated Batcast and Movies from the Heart. Welcome back, Paul. Station, thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. And, Stephen, I've been kissed by a red grave rose that didn't come out right. (laughs) 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 We've got Stephen Redgrave from uh, Dissecting This Fiction podcast, but I've never understood the lyrics to that song, Jake. I've been kissed by a rose on the grave. What does that even mean, dude? Yeah, that's very bizarre. Like, are you dead already and someone left you flowers? Yeah, I think someone's mourning your loss. I don't but know. it's supposed to be romantic. I'm, yeah. Seriously, I don't think about it too much. Yeah, like, it's not romantic. I just went flaccid thinking about the lyrics from that song. And it's in a Batman movie, which that kind of really makes no sense. Oh my gosh, yeah. Another, 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 another thing that doesn't make sense is, is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Heroes in a Half Shell. What the <laughs> fuck does that mean? They're in a full shell. Yeah, doesn't, doesn't make any sense. All right. Steven Redgrave, welcome. First time on the podcast. Welcome. Hello. Oh wow. 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 Sorry I don't have any answers for your, uh, Red Rose. <laughs> dilemma but uh that's definitely a new one for me uh i've been called many things but that that's a new one you've never been called i've been kissed by a red grave rose <laughs> no shocking <laughs> well, well you, got, you got a 10 for uh, unique points nah yeah, oh god i don't things things that i think of are just stupid um this uh yeah bill no thank you for joining us on this one uh bill and ted face the music directed by dean parasite he's the uh, galaxy quest director uh writers are the original writers from uh the other bill and ted movies chris 
Chris Matheson, and Ed Solomon. This one stars Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves. They both reprise their roles as Ted Theodore Logan and Bill S. Preston Esquire. Why do they call him Esquire? Esquire is a term for a lawyer. It makes no sense. I learned that fact listening to this podcast years ago when you brought up that Esquire means lawyer, and I never understood then why Bill referred to himself that way. Yeah, yeah, makes no sense. Uh, William Sadler's back as the Grim Reaper. Uh, we got newcomers Kristen Shaw, Samara Weaving, Bridget Lundy Payne, uh, Anthony Kerrigan, Aaron Hayes, Jama Mays, um, Billy Mays. I'm kidding. I'm not Billy Mays. He's <laughs> that was the OxyClean guy. Man, that guy, guy. Yeah, that guy. He had an incredible beard. His beard looked like somebody had just like stapled steel wool onto his fucking face. <laughs> like he, he looked like he came out of the womb with that beard, didn't he? Billy Mays from OxyClean. He's dead. Um, he is dead, yeah. He died. Uh, Holland Taylor's also in this one. Kid Cuddy, Beck Bennett, <laughs> and Jillian Bell join the cast. So uh, we are going to be talking about this movie. But first, uh, we're going to give our overall thoughts and rate it. Non-spoiler thoughts and rate it. If this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. Let's find out if this movie has been kissed by a stone <laughs> on the grave. Um, I want to Hey, we'll start off with newcomer. Uh, Stephen Redgrave from Dissecting This Fiction Podcast. What were, are your overall thoughts of Bill and Ted Face the Music? Is it worth the wait? And what do you rate it? Uh, I would have to say it is not worth the wait. Um, I feel like they basically took the first two movies and they contradicted the entire premise of them. And... I just it went nowhere uh, by the end of the movie I was just really bored by this one and I felt like they just dropped the ball because this movie is what like 10 years in the making or something like that yeah, and I, yeah. this was what they came up with hmm. so I, I would have to say this is a low taste it for me low taste it low taste it uh, Paul tell me what you thought yeah I definitely got a feeling like I'm going to be on a lonely island this episode uh, I am going yeah you know what I'm just going to Tupperware it I really enjoyed this um, with just like kind of school back in session I definitely had my blinders on because I've watched the first two maybe 200 times in the past like since March with my daughter we're always being the wild stallion so it was fun revisiting uh, Bill and Ted, seeing their family, seeing some old characters, some new characters. Uh, it was just like it felt like everything we needed right now. Just like you didn't really need to turn your brain on to kind of enjoy it. It was just like kind of that mindless fun that just felt so refreshing right now. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. Tupperware from Paul. We'll get into uh, what you loved uh, when we unpack it. Jake, Bill and Ted face the music. Yeah, um, coming in, I wasn't very high on the idea of doing this movie. None of the trailers really knocked my socks off either. But this was a very, very high taste for me. I, I was pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoyed this movie. Um, it felt like Keanu and Alex didn't miss a beat. I, I was very impressed that 
them doing just all the mannerisms and not, not even just like the lines, but like just the way they walked just spot on still. It was like they just stepped right into these roles and I instantly fell into the fiction of them being these characters again. I thought a lot of the new additions were very Bill and Ted and felt very fitting to this franchise. Um, I loved uh, Dennis Caleb McCoy. It was one of my favorite parts of the entire movie. <laughs> um, he just felt like, you know, another character thrown into the mix, like perfectly fit into this universe. Um, I think the only thing keeping it from being a Tupperware for me was I thought maybe the jokes could could have hit a little bit harder for me. Um, there was definitely a lot of very funny moments, but overall I think it maybe could have been a little bit more hilarious to get that Tupperware. Because for me, the first movie is the Tupperware. The second movie is the very low taste it. And honestly, this is my second favorite of the trilogy. This was just a very high taste it. If you're a fan of Bill and Ted, I, I highly recommend this. You, you can't miss this. I thought this was great. I am a super fan of Bill and Ted. I love these movies. I watch these movies. I I would say I watch Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure at least once a year. Bogus Journey I watch every you know couple years or so. But I, I love these movies. I hold them very near and dear. And I think a lot of that is nostalgia. I don't know if like I was older when these would have came out, if I would like revere them as much, but I've always like loved the soundtracks. I've loved the characters and, um, just kind of like the shit that they went through, the time travel, um, collecting historical figures and, and, uh, even in the, I love the second one. Saw it in the theater and loved them going to hell and heaven and, and, um, always looking for the easy way out. And, um, been really looking forward to this movie. Loved the trailers for this movie. And, uh, I thought the first trailer was okay. I love the second trailer. Um, Bill and Ted face the music though. This might as well be called Bill and Ted fuck the franchise because I absolutely hated this fucking movie <laughs> from Beginning to end, I fucking hated it. And I agree with Steven that this movie totally contradicts the first two. And it just, it shattered everything that I love about Bill and Ted. There was only a few parts that I liked. I liked Dennis Caleb McCoy. I liked when Mozart and Jimi Hendrix had like their let, let's jump into spoilers let's jump into spoilers i'm gonna play the spoiler warning this is a pop culture leftovers spoiler warning today's forecast calls the spoilers straight in your dick hole you have been warned spoiler pussies i liked when um jimmy hendrix and mozart had kind of like their you know i don't know their little uh, battle when they were jam playing session. Yeah, jam session where they were battling each other. Um there were it did not feel like I mean it had all the elements of like Bill and Ted, but it did not feel like a Bill and Ted movie. Like the humor was just not there. Except when it came to like them kind of being so dismissive to Dennis Caleb McCoy. That was there. Beck Bennett as Deacon did nothing in this fucking movie. Um, he no. was absolutely nothing. Um, this whole fucking movie, in my opinion, just contradicted the first two that they got to write this song. And then like just spoilers here for what I thought was a terrible movie. Everybody in the world fucking like, um, 
basically. It just turns into like what fucking what was it? Like Pepsi, we are the world. Like what the fuck? <laughs> was it was that a, or like like the whole world like jamming out to a song at the end and then the movie just kind of fucking ends. It was just I and I I Samara Weaving and like the other girl that played the, the, the daughters, I thought that they they were just doing bad impressions of Bill and Ted the entire movie. I thought they were both um ridiculous. I think uh what, what is it? Bridget Lundy Payne. I, I think she's the one that played uh Bill's daughter. She did I think she She played no, Ted's Ted. daughter. She did better. I thought she was basically trying to mimic Ted from the first movie. Yeah. And then I feel like Samara Weaving was just there using the wordage that they use, but not necessarily trying to be the personality right. of her father, which I think was like what took me out for those characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I just, I did not like this at all. I, I could, I was, as I was watching it, I was like, I cannot believe how much I do not like this movie. Oh, it was it was it was it was it was dumb and dumber for dumb and dumber too for me where these guys are too old to be playing playing these characters and it's not cute anymore. And the writing was stale and maybe there was a way to do this that would be better. Like, I don't know if you could have got like, you know, Christopher Lloyd, uh, um, um, Lord and Miller, Phil Lord and Chris Miller to do this to make it better and more fun and and breathe new life into this franchise. But I think like having the same two writers who I love, the, I love the first two movies. And to say that this movie's better than Bill and Ted's bogus journey is just like, I don't know. That's blasphemy to me. Um, <laughs> I, I was, I was just so disappointed in this film. So even the grim reaper stuff was just, Terrible, and I loved that character in Bogus Journey. Just terrible in this movie. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from with the uh, song. Like that, just the premise itself is kind of setting itself up for a letdown. Like the song that's going to unite the world. Like no matter what they play, like audio for you, you're just going to be like, oh, this is the song that unites the world. Like I don't know what they could have done there to make everyone who's watching like not along and agree. And, Oh yeah, this song would definitely unite all humanity. Just do what they did in. And I know this is a stupid thing to do. Just do what they did in American pickle where like, you know, instead of like explaining the science, you just have the character say, yeah. So the, the, the science worked out. That's how he was like, you know, pickled and came back to life. They could have just said like, Oh, we're going to play the song now cut out came back and everybody was like oh my god that song was amazing we never hear it in the movie people I think that would have been the better route people okay, would have that would have worked better in my mind they had to have a really good song and I mean, yeah they had nothing like i was expecting like a song where people would want to listen to this in their car on a soundtrack or on the radio or something because it was that fun of a song for this movie knowing that it's the song that was waited for for how many years right yeah yeah but they didn't even do that like i would have i would have been more happy getting boats and hose at the end of this <laughs> dude when, when you're watching like the first bill and ted movie and like 
they show like the compact disc of like with the, with, with the images of them, like, you know, doing the air guitar. guitar. It's like none of this ever happened. Like that never, they never made, and then they pass it. Then they kind of like pass it off to like their daughters being the ones that set up the song. And then it's like their daughters get every, get all these historical music figures together. And, um, the whole world sings like just does a jam session or some shit. It was just the, yeah. I mean, they try and chalk it up to like at the end, there was like a throwaway line. Like, Oh, it wasn't about the song. It was just about people coming together. And it's, yeah, like, it was the very okay. final line of it. Yeah. Where they're like, it wasn't about what it was. It was about that. We all did it together. Um, you know, and, and I, I did, I did enjoy kid Cuddy. He reminded me of, uh, the Harlem Globetrotters from Futurama kind of, uh, oh, I had my uh, Kid Cudi was one of the worst parts of the movie, and I'm <laughs> I'm the biggest Kid Cudi fan, but his acting was terrible. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, though. The one thing I really wanted was a station appearance, and all they did was they just said his name. I was like, oh, come on, man. Yeah, that was a huge letdown. I don't know. It, it, I think it was the movie was messy. In I mean, I wanted to spend more time with Bill and Ted, and they kept doing like the side story of where the daughters were going around collecting, you know, all these musical figures from time and I didn't find it as fun and as charming as like the original one where they're trying to get the report together and they're 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 picking up Socrates. I I mean Socrates, Billy the Kid, Abraham Lincoln, Genghis Khan, like they all have such like they take them to the fucking San Dimas Mall and they destroy mm-hmm. the mall and it's such a fun scene. None of that like like I don't I I guess like if you're going to try to recreate that, try to do it better or something or give us, you know, I don't, but it was just like, oh, okay, here's Louis Armstrong. Here's Jimi Hendrix. You know, here's some drummer from 15,000 BC or whatever the <laughs> fuck who plays like with, who, who instead of using drumsticks uses bones. Like what the fuck? This is just stupid. I, I was just so, I was like, this is so fucking dumb. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to guess who they would get, and I honestly thought they were going to like go for like a Lennon at some point. I thought they were going to get, yeah, I was, like well, John Lennon. 67 England, I was like, oh, they're going to get a Beatle. Yeah. Yeah. Get Ringo on the drums instead of prehistoric girl. <laughs> yeah, they, they put the historical figures on the back burner in this movie. They were basically just there as like, see, we are checking off a box that we're doing what we did in the first one. Uh, that's really all it was. Uh, the, you know, I think. Uh, Brian, I think you brought it up earlier. The the Hendrix and uh, Mozart having their little duel, yeah, uh, and the the one scene like that was that was fun. Yes, I enjoyed that, but like, that was still short lived. Short lived, yeah, I agree. Like I it, that actually that scene put a smile on my face when I was watching it. I was like, that's fun. Like there's there was something about like in that first movie with Mozart sitting down at that 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 electronic keyboard and. And just kind of like feeling the keys on it and listening to the sounds. And then like, you know, watching, you know, Joan of Arc starting her own jazzercise class or whatever. And like all, all these fun elements where they took, took these characters and they did something with them. I felt like they took them and they really did nothing with them. They gave Kid Cudi like this stupid kind of like he knows about quantum physics and time travel and all this stuff and I well, was like this is not with funny. That character <laughs> was he supposed to be station? Because 
because he says station. Yeah, there, I don't know if it's supposed to be a, a nod to the character. Wasn't which, station? Why the fuck didn't you have the character? Wasn't like, station what, at the? What I had a problem. Yeah, at the end of it wasn't station part of the band at one time. In he was the bongo drummers. Yeah, so like, the, so at one time, because like at the end of Bogus Journey, you see all the headlines from the different magazines, and they do show Station, and so maybe Station was you know kind of like a uh, um, a music figure, so he knows of Station being a part of Bill and Ted's Wild Stallions, and so maybe I don't know, maybe that was just like a like just like a stupid nostalgia easter egg that they threw in with Kid Cudi saying Station which pissed me off because I wanted to see Station in this movie. Yes, that's the main that's one of the, yeah I really wanted to see Station when they when he said it, I was like, oh my god, is he going to turn into Station? But then I'm like, well Station only says Station, so it doesn't make sense that he would be Kid Cudi in disguise. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I put way too much thought in that one. I, yeah, I Kid really, Cudi didn't do anything that he's like great at doing either. Like, if you're gonna have Kid Cudi in the movie, let him fucking rap and show his shit because he is fantastic at that. Like, I was surprised like that he wasn't part of the song or part of the band really in that way. So a weird addition. Yeah, I do enjoy that they had a little uh, nod for George Carlin though his character. Yes, in the very beginning. Yeah, um, they. They took the um, archival footage from the first film and they used Piotr Michael provided the character's voice of Rufus in this. And then it looks like Kelly Carlin, Carlin's real life daughter, makes a cameo appearance as one of somebody's follower in this movie. She's a yeah, I think it's uh, supposed to be the daughter of him in the movie. Okay. Uh, at one of her followers. Okay. You know, we got to, I, I don't know. I thought the, the Dave Grohl cameo is kind of funny. Um, yeah, I love the Dave Grohl cameo. Awesome. Can, can we get the, into the, Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, was, I, I loved the song they played at the beginning of the movie at the wedding. I, <laughs> that really cracked me up with all the different instruments and just how, how weird and experimental it was. I, them oh, trying man. to do the song that's going to unite the world. I, I thought that was very funny. Yeah. Um, and, and, just, then, yeah. and just that wedding itself where it's Deacon marrying Missy, yeah. I thought was hilarious as hell. You know, Missy's pretty much married everybody in these movies except for Bill and Ted. Uh, so to see who she wound up with, I thought was fucking hilarious. I guess it didn't work out with what's his name from uh, the second movie. The bad the, guy from the bad guy. weapon. Yeah. <laughs> How weird. What he were you going to say? Steven? Right guy. What were you going to say, Steven? You wanted to jump into something. Oh, uh, when you brought up the whole part with the, um, the cameo, uh, it's like the, the jumps where they kept meeting themselves from the future. Yeah. Uh, None of it made sense to me. Were they supposed to be the same two just constantly like intertwining with them throughout time? Yes. Or is it like different versions every time? No, it was this, it was the same two. Like when, when, when we get to them in the first one, you know, they don't have the song. It's two years later and they're just bitter because like Bill and Ted have, they've come into contact with the Bill and Ted version of themselves that ruin their lives. And so it's basically just like they hate Bill and Ted for like the fact that they've lost the princesses, their wives, they've, they have no contact with their kids anymore. 
And then that part we didn't ju- make any sense. Then we jump into, you know, three years after that. So we're, you know, five years into the future total now. And they've broken into Dave Grohl's house and they've stolen one of his songs and they're trying to play it off that this is the song. And basically they want to take Dave Grohl's song from the future, take it back to the past, them get fame and fortune off of that song. It's not the song to unite everyone, Mm. but it's just a song to fucking make them rich and famous and maybe a way to keep like the princesses around. And then after that, when we go 10 years into the future and they're in prison, they're in prison because of what they did in breaking into Dave Grohl's house. So it all is part of the same timeline. Okay. Now, here's where I don't understand why they were so mad at them about losing their wives. Because at the end of this movie, we are in spoilers, right? I can say this. Yeah, go for it. We're in spoilers. At the end of the movie, they come back and go, oh, we're going to stay with you. Like, it was a mute point. It had no relevance to the plot whatsoever. So by that logic, going back in time or, or going to the future, they would have never left them in the end. So they were always there. So those two that were mad about it would have had their wives back because in the end of this movie, they're there. Yeah, but do, said, do we look at be with do we look at Rufus's quote like what is it like you make your own story or whatever blah 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 or what you know what I mean do we look at are we are we supposed to look at Rufus's quote as the reason that they stayed It doesn't make sense until the end of the story I believe is the quote Yeah yeah so that's kind of weird. <laughs> But even at the end hopefully of the story, the end of the story it doesn't story, make sense you, Yeah hopefully you yeah. forget everything that happened before by the yeah. end <laughs> Yeah I don't know. Part of me just thought it looked sad too, watching fifty-year-old Keanu Reeves and fifty-year-old Alex Witter playing these doofuses. <laughs> yeah, see, I thought that wouldn't work at all, and was one of the reasons I was not looking forward to this movie. But I, I thought that did work, at least for me, it did. There was there were me. <laughs> there were moments where it worked for me, but like they were few and far between. I just. Oh man, I just kept like begging for like young Bill and Ted. It just, it, it felt like dumb and dumber, the sequel, like where you're just watching, you know, 50 year old Jeff Daniels and Jim Carrey be fucking idiots. And you're just like, you guys are too old for this shit. It's the Murtaugh rules. They're too <laughs> old for this shit. Oh man. I never even watched that movie. I just couldn't, I yeah. couldn't bear it. Oh, I but saw I mean, it. I saw it in the theater. I yeah, saw, like, and I want to point out that I did see this one in the theater today. Yeah, you're probably wishing you saw Unhinged now, dude. I, um, I yeah, <laughs> I should have seen Unhinged. Um, but yeah, I I couldn't pass it up. Like the theater, that's a local theater here, and they all showings are five bucks right now. They're trying to get people back into the theater, so it was like, fuck, I can see Bill and Ted on the big screen for five bucks. Fuck yeah, let's do this. Yeah, and um. I thought it was a little weird because we got, you know, we rented Trolls when it came out. It only gave you the option to rent for 20 bucks, but this gave, I, I, I was under the impression I'd only be able to rent it, but I was able to buy it for just five extra bucks. I'm like, oh, this, this that makes all the sense in the world to just, to, to just buy it for five dollars. But I do gotta say, fucking no-ho Hank, uh, Anthony Cardigan as the robot was fucking amazing in this movie. <laughs> 
I love that character. So especially when he's in hell and everyone is just like, yeah, dude, there's a fucking robot in hell. Like, this makes no sense. Love that kind of crap. (laughs) I feel like I enjoyed him to an extent, but they overdid it with that character, especially with him, like, saying his name and (laughs) all the little quirks he had. Uh, I don't know. To me, they were trying to, like, make a new Grim Reaper, but also have the Grim Reaper in the film, so it just seemed like, what was the point of having both characters? The stuff that didn't make sense to me was the way he was acting before he started acting all silly. And then when he started acting all silly, then it kind of, like, made sense. And there was some time, there was, like, it was the only time I laughed uncontrollably in this, is when he just kept saying his name, and everybody was so dismissive to him. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Dennis Caleb McCoy, and it's just like a dumb name for a fucking robot, you know? It's just like, he looks kind of like, I don't know, and the suit looked cheap. It looked like it was like Mm -hmm. made for like 1990s Power Rangers villain, and... (laughs) <laughs> and it looked cheap. It looked stupid. And, and, uh, but the more they kept like shitting on that character, the more I kind of like laughed at that character. It was like the only redeeming part of this movie. Um, I wanted more of like Bill and Ted just being very dismissive to that character throughout the film. <laughs> but I don't know. I feel like the design of the costume was intended to be like a, a nostalgia thing for the second movie where they had like the worst looking outfits in that first part of the movie where everything was like just cut out foam shapes. That's what I got out of it. It was like a, a nod to the second movie. Oh, the, uh, the robot asses. Yes. The, just the, his whole armor looking like you said, cheap and, and fake and all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about like the fashion that Rufus was wearing in part two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, all, okay. all those, the classmates and stuff. Yeah, like university. way over the top. Yeah. Mm, I did not like the children. I well, did. I, I liked the children. Oh god! I, I do agree that um, Ted's daughter was better than Bill's daughter, but I, I liked yes. both of them. I, I enjoyed both their storylines. Oh god! I the acting was fine. If ne- I felt oh, like going into I will this. echo that. Fuck that! I like if I get a. <laughs> Fuck that. Fuck that. Seriously. I, that's like, I'm sorry, but fuck that. Like, I, I didn't, uh, I mean, well, I, if, I just think that if Netflix, and if, if Netflix announces a spinoff with those two, I'm going to fucking riot. Hey, I'll be canceled after its first season anyway, so you'll be fine. <laughs> well, yeah, you, I think the whole point of those characters was just, or this, the whole movie was just to set up that they are the new Bill and Ted, right? Cause, and in the second movie, they called them Bill and Ted. They changed the names in this one, but essentially, they're the replacements, right? That, that's what the whole point of this movie was. I mean, if this movie's huge, then yeah. Like, we could definitely be seeing, like, more of Little Bill and Little Ted. You know, uh, Theodora and, uh, what, Wilhelmina, Billy Logan, and Theodora <laughs> Thea Preston. Oh my god. I, I didn't... I, I can see where you're saying that it would be an easy spinoff, but during the movie, it didn't feel like it was like a heavy-handed trying to push the mantle onto oh. these two and do future projects to me. They just felt oh. like two other characters in this movie to me. 
I felt like it was obvious that they were going to be the ones that the song was really meant to be played by at the by the end. Dude, it was like yeah, five minutes, like five ten minutes into this fucking movie, as soon as they introduced them, I was like, they're going to be the ones. They're going to be the ones that save the day. The whole reason they're here is because they're going to be the ones that save the day. Oh, no argument there. Yeah, yeah, and I guess I guess the afters, uh, I guess the after credit scene, kind of, I don't know, like to me that kind of made it just seem like this was it. Like I didn't really, I guess I really didn't expect to be like, oh, we're gonna see uh, the daughters in their own movie, especially after the credits. I was like, okay, that seems like a fairly finalization of these two characters and this whole franchise. God, I hope it's dead. I hope this whole franchise is dead now after this. <laughs> this is a fucking, <laughs> this oh, is that's too bad. I'm dude. I'm so, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it, but like, I'm a fucking, I love Bill and Ted. I'm a super fan. I fucking got, I used to watch the fucking cartoon. I've watched these movies like multiple times. I love these fucking movies so much. And this was just, this was hot dog shit. Hot dog shit. <laughs> Oh no! Uh, yeah, like I definitely think I got blinders on. I mean, it's definitely like a sentimental type thing. But yeah, I really. Ah, oh, it sucks that you didn't enjoy this. But yeah, I definitely had a fun time with this one. I think maybe the biggest problem for me was I watched the first two movies like every day up until the release of this to just kind of recap and you know get the feels again for those two movies, and so maybe going back to those so soon before made me more critical about this but i feel like they just dropped the ball real bad with this one they totally did like there's so many funny parts and like the first bill and ted oh my god like when they're when they're getting ready to do their report and they're just i think they're just fucking hanging out in in um bill's room and he's and i think bill's like dude you went to uh the hall of presidents at Epcot and he's like what did what you know what did they say and he's like oh George Washington said welcome to the hall of presidents <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like yeah, was really good in those. I'm like yeah and like when they're in class and the teacher asks Ted who is Joan of Arc and he goes Noah's wife I lost my shit uh-huh. and like I just I don't know I did not get any of that in this movie where it's just like they're so young and innocent and stupid and in this one they're just so much older and it just did not work it just didn't work for me and I thought the I thought their daughters were were terrible I thought I thought fucking the Grim Reaper was terrible in this movie I didn't care for William Sadler in it and that's disappointing because I fucking loved him in Bogus Journey and I don't know this tried to play on our nostalgia and nothing worked I hated the side story of the girls going through time and grabbing these fucking musicians i thought it was so stupid and dumb i just oh god i could not stand it it just did not work for me it was not as charming and as fun as the first one napoleon going to waterloo water park oh yeah yeah and like 
you know, like, they didn't have time to really do any of the fun stuff with the, the historical musicians that they got here. They were just basically there to play this fucking song by the end of the movie. We didn't have like a, a Billy the Kid or a So Crates that, that really brought anything to it. It was just this fucking side story that they gave the daughters, which I felt were unnecessary, necessary characters just because it's like, you know, people have families and people have kids. So let's have them have, have their daughters and their daughters are going to act like them. And I don't know. I just, I was not sold and I, I didn't, I didn't find, I, I cannot tell you one point in this fucking movie where I was like, Oh my God, the daughters were fucking hilarious. Oh my God. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You're definitely right with them not taking over the mantle and wanting to do anything forward in the franchise because they can't fucking hold a candle to the original fucking Bill and Ted. Yeah, I mean, they probably would have been better off like giving them their own unique personalities than just trying to be a mimic. You're you're yeah. not wrong there. Like that solar opposites. Better. Yeah, if they were like solar opposites to their dads would have been cool. Well, I didn't get like as going back to like the time shifting and stuff like showing up everywhere. Like they make a point that Ted's dad still doesn't believe him. The therapist doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. But then at the same time, we're, we're supposed to believe that historical figures are jumping around time and, and shit's getting out of place in that sense. So no one in society has seen any of this. No one's questioning any of this. Is it not out there that they are these saviors from the first two movies? Yeah, fucking Gandhi just fucking shows up on the side of the fucking freeway and nobody fucking <laughs> – nobody's – you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I did think they did show what was it like Washington crossing the Delaware and then Jesus walking on the water in front of him. That was kind of funny for a split moment. (laughs) (laughs) And and just the whole concept of why did the I don't even know what they call themselves, the people from the future, like the, the group that's trying to make this happen. Yeah. Why couldn't they just go to the damn time? that they needed to go to for this song. I don't understand how they don't know when it is. If they are from the future, they should know all of this information. I I know I'm like probably looking too far into it, but like these are the kind of things that bother me. It bothered me too. I was thinking about it too. Like it's like, it's like, it's like these people know that this song changes, you know, the entire world society, but it's, it's like none of these people have ever fucking heard it though. You know? Yeah. yeah, it's like a black spot that they can't like use time travel to visit. For yeah, some they but to- everything else they can know about. They totally changed the story too. Like, like the song was just supposed to reunite everybody, and then they, and they make a joke about it that oh, th- that's new. That it changes reality. It alters like reality and the whole you know world basically cave in upon itself or whatever. And they acknowledge that it's whatever, but. I don't know. I feel like I'm with Steven. Like this, this movie contradicts the first, first two movies and, and basically makes B- Bill and Ted kind of like not the, not the heroes of the story that they were originally. And I don't know. Fuck that. Yeah. Fuck that, man. I laughed a lot when they announced how long they had to make the song, and it was exactly how much longer the movie was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it gave me a good laugh. You have 77 minutes or whatever it was. I, I just kept thinking, oh, fuck, we got 75 more minutes of this. 
<laughs> oh man, it did not unite your world. Oh my god, I'm so and I love and it's like I hate to be fucking like Debbie Downer on this one for people that did love it. And I hate I, I'm sorry if like the hatred for this movie is dominant. My hatred for this movie is dominating this podcast. So I tell you what, I'll shut up and I'll let everybody tell me what they loved about the movie. Just it'll be just a big fucking love fest, a big fucking orgy, just like at the end of the movie when everybody was playing their fucking music together. Big fucking orgy of fucking music and love and big fucking festival. You tell me, tell me, tell me what you loved about this one, Paula J. I mean, the biggest thing to me was just seeing Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves just so seamlessly become these characters again. I mean, that just gave me a lot of smiles throughout the whole movie. Yeah, and to piggyback off that, I really like it was kind of fun, especially, you know, Stephen said maybe it was a disservice to watch uh, the first two over and over again. But like in those first two, he is uh, Keanu Reeves is so optimistic as Ted and to kind of see that drain out of him and like him becoming, you know, the you know, the alcoholic and losing his wife and kids like to me, it really made the stakes a lot higher just to see that drastic shift in his personality uh you know kind of give it a sense of urgency and realism so yeah i definitely like seeing returning to the characters of bill and ted like i love their chemistry and just kind of how much the world has changed them so yeah i definitely got to piggyback off of jake on that yeah, I agree. I even like the not future stuff, like when Ted was talking about selling his guitar, it gave me like a tinge of depression. Yeah, the Les Paul. And for me, I would have I would have preferred this movie and just scrap the daughters altogether and fucking have and I know this is going to call for a huge budget, but like just have like DH Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves and have the old versions of them interact with the younger versions of them. That would have been cool. And have them work together. You know, like they've lost their way. They've lost their way. And then the younger versions of them kind of like inspire them to, to, to write this song. Like the younger versions of them see like what they've become and it kind of like kicks them in the ass and um Bill and Ted by the end of it write that fucking song. I just I just everything here was just like everything it's just everything I did not want to see f- from this franchise. They just totally <sighs> I I know that they did this out of love and I know that they 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 thought that they did the right thing here. Like, you know, the only way to really reunite the world is to have them the whole world, you know, kind of join in and have a jam session and whatever but i don't I think mean, we saw jesus play cowbell so that's true yeah <laughs> it's it just man it just didn't work for me i'm i'm sorry i i really wish that the this this movie did and but i did love dennis caleb mccoy that's that's the one <laughs> shining bright spot of this film for me was dennis caleb mccoy um, I, I do have to say something. We have a law agency here in Milwaukee, and one of the actors they use in almost all their commercials is the dude that plays Ted's dad in all three movies. So all of a sudden, out of nowhere, at the end of this Hupie Abraham commercial, it's like, go see Bill and Ted face the music for our very own blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, that's that's kind of funny. 
Uh, so there's that. I mean, well, fuck, I haven't seen that, but I Tupperware those commercials, Paul. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised that actor wasn't dead. I know. When, it's when I, as soon as I saw him, I'm like, wow, he's still around to be in this movie. And he's still like an active cop, like going to the crime scenes. Yeah, he's yeah he's retired. Got it for his age. Oh, I, tell tell me your favorite scenes where you know they they got the musical figures from the past. Tell me your favorite Ling Lung scene and your favorite <laughs> Grom scene, the cave woman. Tell me tell me about those. Tell me about those because I'd love I would fucking love to hear them. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> they should have shown um, Grom via cell phone. I thought it was interesting when Louis Armstrong was kind of fascinated by it. I, what would Grom have thought of that damn thing? They should have went back to 1991 and shown me this fucking movie on a phone, and I would have thrown the thing on the goddamn ground because this is a trap. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I hate being like this. I hate because like there, there I hate being like this. I hate it when I absolutely hate a movie because I know that there are people that watch this and absolutely loved it. And I feel like my hatred and Steven's hatred for this movie is it is it pure hatred from you, Steven, or is it just me? Uh, it's not pure hatred. Like I was extremely disappointed, but like I feel if people really enjoy these characters, that I could see a portion of them enjoying this film. I just was so wrapped up in the details and how long it took to make this that I just felt like, how was this what you came up with? And that's, like mm. I said, it, it contradicts everything in my opinion. You yeah. brought up that you like the idea of them going back in time to like, I assume the first movie is that what you were saying. Yeah. To Bill and Ted from the first movie, like, you know, it, it could definitely be them. Like, yeah, the, like the, an end game kind of concept. Insta- yes, like when twine with that story, which would make way more sense because that was the one that was, you know, fueling the concept that they were going to save the world. So when they go back, when when Bill and Ted go back to the Circle K and they see themselves and, you know, I guess you could totally do a back to the future thing here where, you know, like Marty comes back. Marty literally just sends you know, uh, Doc sends Marty back, you know, to 1985. And then we've got another Marty that just runs up on him and he fucking, you know, great Scott passes out. You know, I mean, it could have been a scene where Bill and Ted don't forget to wind your watch. And then they leave and then fucking old Bill and Ted come back and talk to them right at that moment. And they're like, dude, you've got bigger problems than winding your watch, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I, I think that that would have been so much more fun. I know that the budget would have been unreal though, doing the de-aging and all that kind of stuff. But I, I honestly think that that would have been a more, it would have been way more fun than, than what we got here. If they yeah, really definitely. wanted to fucking, you know, and I'm not a writer. I'm not a writer. I'm just throwing out ideas. But, but I think that that would have been if if you really want to like, you know, uh, you know, f- fiddle that fucking nostalgia clit, then fucking do this, man. You know, fucking flick that bean around a little bit instead of the <laughs> their 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 daughters Theodora and whatever the fuck. Jesus Christ, get the fuck out of here. I'm sorry. And those those two actors that played the daughters are way better than these roles. 
So I don't know, man. God damn did it! Did they recast the princesses uh, intentionally because they did that in the second movie? Yeah. Or was there like a, a reason, just like in the back end of production? I mean, I mean, that? I mean, who knows? I mean, I, I they probably recast them because they wanted to bring in people that have been working. You know, I don't think that. You know, it's one of those things. It's it's kind of like the recast of Elizabeth Shue in the second Back to the Future movie. You know, she had a bigger role, so they got to have a you know a bigger a bigger actor to take on that role. So, I mean, I don't know about the other two actors that that the, the in the first movie. I mean, the the two princesses. Like one, I the only other movie I remember one of the princesses was was the. Last, what was it? The Last American Virgin. She was in that movie, and then I mean they had not, they didn't have huge careers. And in the second movie, I couldn't tell you what those princesses have done since. And so you know they brought in uh, a couple, I don't know, a couple bigger name comedians. I don't know. Okay. It's been a while since I've seen either of the first two, and I couldn't even have told you that this was a recast. Oh God! Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> they got the girl. They got the woman from. They got the woman from Children's Hospital, and uh, well, I mean, surgery does wonders these days. I didn't. I didn't. Know. That's true. That's helpful. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, sorry. Hated it. Toss it. Absolute toss it for me. Tupperware from Paul. High taste from Jake, and a low taste from Steven. Everything for this movie. Oh my God! Oh yeah, we just. We ran the gamut when it came to the fucking ratings on this fucking thing. I think it's doing pretty well, though. I think Rotten Tomato has around 80, like low 80%. Good, good. I, you know, and I'm glad, I, I'm happy for the people that did enjoy this movie. You know, and I'm, it's not like I'm going to fucking, I'm not going to get on anybody. I'm so happy that people love this movie. I'm not going to get on anybody for liking this movie. It's just, for me, it just did not... It did not work. And it was pretty evident that it was not working. Um, I'd say about 15 to 20 minutes in, I was just like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very early on that I felt like it was just not what I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think Keanu Reeves has this like real backing right now with popularity that I feel like the overall audience, whether they're fans of Bill and Ted or not, we're probably going to enjoy this film just because he's the thing right now. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I'm just glad that these guys got a chance to make it. You know, they've been wanting to make it. They made it. It's out there. And I kept saying, like, I kept saying to my, I kept saying, I've even, I've even said it on the show. Like, ah, this, this movie ain't going to ruin the first two. It, it's just fucking Bill and Ted. And here I am, here I am <laughs> eating crow on that statement and basically saying this movie destroyed the first two films. It just, it, this is the, this is the rise of Skywalker when it comes to fucking trilogies. Uh, yeah, that's our, that's our Bill and Ted face the music, or as I like to say, fuck the franchise. Bill and Ted, fuck the franchise. <laughs> fuck the franchise. Oh, man. They're going to have to write a song to unite us after this review. <laughs> oh, man. Go back in time. Yeah, let's go back in time. Oh, man. 
You know why? It's because Extreme wasn't on the soundtrack. That's why it was for you, bro. That fucking song rocks, though. That fucking song. Wanna play? Play Oh my god! You said play a like it's the fucking Warriors movie. Hey, you <laughs> I know, know what? That's, that's, what that's I a good one too. Warriors, come out and play! <laughs> <laughs> He's got the Coke bottles, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, fuck, Warriors, great fucking movie. Oh, that's an amazing movie. It's an even better video game too. I've never, I've never played the video game. I knew there was a video game. I was just going to mention that it's a better video game than the movie. Dude, it takes place six months before the movie, so you're like. The warriors and you're gaining the uh, gang street cred, so you're like breaking into businesses and all that shit. You're you're retaliating. A big part of it is you have to like do graffiti on like local businesses, and then it leads you up to the actual movie. And it's got cutscenes of you know like Cyrus and all that shit. Like, and you play to the end of the movie. It's fucking awesome. Wow. You get to interchange as different gang members. It's so cool. Can like you... Status? I, hold on. Can you dig it? I love that. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man, that is so good. Uh, yeah, uh, Steve, I'd say, like, it, because it is a Rockstar game, uh, it came oh, out... Oh, it in, is Rockstar, okay. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense, then. Yeah, it's a total Rockstar game, so it had pretty much, like, the whole... Uh, like a uh, template for like how to do the controls and stuff and kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. stealing cars and all that shit. So, yeah, yeah. I think like you were, you were asking Jake, I think it's PS2 era uh, that this game game came out. 2005, I believe is when it came yeah. out. I remember oh, the okay. commercials for it, but I never played it. Oh man, that was fucking awesome. I still every once in a while I'll dust off the PS2 and pop that back in. It's so good. Oh my god, those, oh, you know what game I love? Yeah, we're gonna end this thing. We're done. I'm done talking about Bill Attack. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever play, uh, what was it, Metal Arms on Xbox? I'm not familiar with that. Jake, you would love it. It's a little fucking robot and you go around and shoot shit. Oh, it's the first. So, is it like a Contra kind of? No, no, it's not like a, it's not like a side scroller. It's kind of more like a, like, like a, a mech warrior kind of thing, but like small scale. I don't know. I, 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 now, you're, now you're getting. It. I, I'm not. I, you got to understand. I haven't regularly played video games in 15 fucking years. The, you know what I mean? The, I think. I th- <laughs> Metal Arms. It's called. My question. It's called Metal Arms, and it was from a company, and I think they only made like one fucking game, and it was this game, and it's it's a beautiful fucking game. It was so much fun. Metal Arms. Yeah. Oh man, metal arms. Oh, metal arms. by Sierra, the, the same people that did like King's Quest and Space Quest and those fucking games. Sure. Do yeah. <laughs> you remember those games? I don't. Which you apparently do not. <laughs> oh, they made Leisure Suit Larry too, if you're familiar with that. Oh, no shit. No shit. Oh, Jake, Jake, I only have one episode left of High Score on Netflix. Oh, oh yeah, so you loving it? Good. I'm loving it. Also, you saw the Street Fighter Two. I did. Episode. I did. I did watch that. Oh man, that was maybe my favorite episode. So fantastic! Uh-oh. I enjoyed the Doom episode. Oh, that's oh, the that, last that one. Too. That's the last one, isn't it? Yeah, I believe so. That is so. I never knew about that one uh, R-rated game where like you're kind of like 
they were using like real actors and shit. Oh, I you didn't know about Night Trap. No, what? Oh, get really? the fuck out! I Dude, actually just no. bought Night Trap for five bucks did, on Switch. Um, I never really got into video games until like I graduated high school. Did they you didn't even? Ha- yeah, Jake, did you ever play that fucking live action video game where it was like, uh, you know, it was like Night Trap or Sewer Shark or Ground Zero Texas, but Corey Haim. Was oh, the that ma- sounds so familiar. What was that? I can't remember what the name of that game was. I, I'm sure I could just type in Corey Haim video game on Google and it would give me the answer. But I used to play that fucking thing, too. I rented that. I rented Night Trap and played Night Trap. Double Switch. Double Switch. That's what it was called? Double Switch? Oh, yeah. I, I did Corey Haim video game. Came out in 1993 for the Sega Saturn. It came out on Sega CD. That's how I played it. Yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing this game, but I don't think I ever played it. Yeah, I rented it. Deborah Harry's in it. Blondie herself. Wow. Mm. (laughs) Bill and Ted. Yeah, Bill and Ted. (laughs) Double Switch 25th Anniversary Edition just came out for the Switch last year. Oh, no shit. Yeah, I remember that being announced that people were, like, not happy about it because of the uh, implications of the game or something. Just, you know, our our culture right now. What are the implications of the game? Tell me Isn't more. Isn't there, like, uh... Somebody, didn't somebody get, uh, get uh, kissed by a rose on the grave in that game? I think that's what it was. <laughs> I'm pretty God. confident that's what happened. Whoa! <laughs> that's not the exact kind of switch I was expecting. I believe, I haven't played the game, but I believe there was like an issue of like uh, implication of like forcing yourself on a woman or something in the game. Wow, this took a dark fucking turn from Bill and Ted face the music. <laughs> yeah, isn't this this is the game that like they had actual actors they recorded stuff right and then you're thinking of Night Trap. Yeah, yeah. You know what we were talking about we were talking we moved on to Double Switch, the oh. Corey Haim version of Night. My Trap. bad, my bad. Now I know exactly what scene you're talking about. Oh from man, Night Trap. Th- this episode is just falling apart. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you need to switch to the correct camera and trap us and end this. Camera. I think we all know who just got kissed by a rose on the grave. <laughs> Our listeners. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's end this one. Guys, thanks for uh, listening to this one. Uh, stay tuned. We're going to go through our uh, fucking review for uh, uh, the New Mutants, Josh Boone movie. Yeah, finally, four years later. <laughs> and, then, and, and then check out the, 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 the regular episode where everybody can listen. What was it? What are we at? 347? Sounds right. Listen to that. Listen to that fucker. <laughs> Check that motherfucker out. Check that motherfucker out. I typed in Corey Haim video game controversy, and somebody on a message board put the controversies that he's in a game. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, I'm surprised you got any results, but that's about the best you could get. Oh, man. That's, that's the highlight of this episode. Thank you, Paul. Oh, shit. <laughs> Mutation most often occurs in puberty. What's your power? I don't know. I'm just like that. You discover your true nature. 
Hey, welcome to a bonus uh, of the new Mutants movie that we're going to be discussing. This is out in theaters, and I know not everybody has uh, theaters open near them, and I know that everybody is wanting to attempt even going to the theaters. Uh, Jake, I went to the theater and saw this one, didn't buy any snacks, no drink, kept my fucking mask on the entire time. Ha! <laughs> Yeah, we went to the first showing of the movie, which was actually the first showing of any movie our local theater had shown in months. And same. Yeah, mask on the whole movie. Yeah, I was not risking it um, at all. So, you know, I just wanted to make sure. I mean, snacks, whatever. I mean, popcorn, whatever. Fuck it. I'm not doing it. Uh, I went to another theater today, and yeah, but uh, I bought the popcorn. They have it in the bags. You can take it home, and that's what I did. That's what I did. I took it fucking home with me. I'm not going to eat it in the theater. But guess what? Hey, we're not alone. I'm talking about snacks and movie theaters and blah, blah, blah. We are not alone. Uh, we're joined on this episode by Quentin Roberts of The Real Zodiac Podcast. Welcome, Quentin. Hey, thank you so much for having me on, man. And I am i was kind of hoping you would keep talking about snacks because, dude, I love getting those freaking cookie dough bites. I get them every single time. Every single time. Dude, you can actually go to the, the dollar store has the generic ones you can get for a buck and just sneak them in. Oh, dude. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, dude. I go to the Because fucking... I like put them in my popcorn, man. Dude. Like, you know? uh, yeah, like the, the Milk Duds popcorn thing. Oh yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good shit. Um, I got, uh, went to the Avon today and they got gourmet popcorn that they make there. And, um, I got, uh, it was, uh, blueberry chocolate. Popcorn. Yum. It's actually really fucking good. It's really fucking good. The chocolate kind of overpowers the blueberry. So when you eat the blueberry ones, it still like smells like chocolate. So it still tastes like chocolate. Hmm, that's unfortunate. Wrong. Yeah. Still sounds delicious. It's very, very good. I don't know. Maybe they should have just went like with like a blueberry muffin popcorn and just called it that and just gave us oh. blueberry. Yeah, you know Any, what I mean. Anything with blueberry muffin, fuck, dude, I could just eat that right now. Oh god, have you ever had just like the blueberry muffin tops? They're just the muffin top. They sell the muffin oh, tops. Yeah. Oh, oh my god, because they have those at um, uh, we call it bread coba Panera. Yeah. Oh right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Bread company. Yeah, the St. Louis bread company. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing as Panera. Yeah. 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 I know that if you're new and you're listening, you're like, oh, when are they going to get to the new mutants? We will. We're going to get there. <laughs> this is just, you know, these are just, just friends talking about snacks. Nothing to get angry about. That's If you're getting angry at friends talking about snacks, that's weird. Not very weird. <laughs> that's very yeah, weird. With everything yeah. going on, that, that should be the least of your problems. I know. Oh, <laughs> oh, these, I hated it because these friends were talking about snacks at the beginning of the podcast. No, come on, chill out. It's, it's, we're, we're going to talk about new mutants. We've got plenty of time to talk about new mutants. Uh, we'll briefly go over the new mutants film without spoilers and we're going to give a rating for it. And then after that, after we rate it, uh, we're going to unpack it and, and dive into full on spoilers with this one. And so I will give uh, the official spoiler warning when we do jump into spoilers. Now, the, the New Mutants is, uh, I feel like it's a movie we've been waiting on for years. I, I think I remember seeing posters for this one in the theaters, uh, teasing it, like the teaser poster. I think I remember seeing that almost three years ago, late 2017, because it was originally supposed to come out in April of 2018. Yeah, it's been a long time. It's been years since we, like, reviewed the trailer for this movie. 
And then, yeah, think about like how these actors, it's been, it's like literally like three, four years, three, four years later since they, since they filmed this one. Uh, Maisie Williams, did she film this before the finale of Game of Thrones? Yes. And I thought that was the most, like she's the actress I'm most familiar with in this cast. And that was very noticeable. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I oh man. I'm very familiar with her, but, um, there's also some, uh, of course we got, um, but I'll just get into it. The director is Josh Boone. He wrote, uh, he, 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 he wrote and directed the, uh, Fault in Our Stars. Did he write the screenplay for that one? Doesn't matter. Um, he also wrote this one with, uh, Nate Lee. It stars Maisie Williams, Anya Taylor Joy. I'm a big fan of hers. Loved her in Thoroughbreds. I just think she's fantastic. She uh, has such a weird beauty to her. Doesn't she? She's got like that Uma Thurman, kind of like her eyes are so far apart look. Yeah. Yeah. She I'm also, board, man. she looks like if you took like one of the, um, the Gelflings from the Dark Crystal and like did a Pinocchio thing where you made him a real boy, she would be like a real Gelfling in real life. She looks like a fucking Dark Elfling, a Dark Crystal Gelfling come to life. <laughs> I, I never thought about that, but that's exactly correct. Yeah. I think all the character models was made after her, right? <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't go along with that. She, she, she's, the Dark Crystal is much older than her. I, I, to say, I think Dark Crystal is older than she is. I honestly think was a, she was, was a shitty joke. No. She was born of the Dark Crystal. Like when that movie came <laughs> into fruition, that movie gave birth. It bore her into the world. Um, Charlie Heaton from uh, Stranger Things, uh, Alice Braga, Blue Hunt, and Henry Zaga. Boone and Lee first began working on this movie after The Fault in Our Stars, and they, they, they pitched... This was originally a trilogy of movies and they, that they pitched to Simon Kinberg, and in May of 2015, they were officially signed on to this, and then they started doing all the casting and then we got the you know fox acquisition from disney and this movie was kind of in limbo everybody was saying just release it on hulu just release it on disney plus just do this do that and apparently there was a deal in place that this had all the fox movies that were filmed before the big acquisition had to be released theatrically, which is why we got Dark Phoenix in the theater, which is why we got this in the theater. It had to be released theatrically. And I think this has been a success for them in the theater. I think it, it didn't it win. It made a lot of money for them. I think it's going to win the week, probably. It had a really good preview preview day on Thursday and did pretty well on Friday, too. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I got really emotional just hearing the uh, 20th Century Fox fanfare at the beginning of the movie. Every, yeah, everything's uh, well. That's all changing. It's not like they're not showing. Uh, it's not 20th Century Fox now. It's 20th Century Films. I think. No, I didn't even notice yeah, that. Was that. weird to see. And when you go to, I went to a Fox Searchlight film, and it was I can't remember the name of the movie, but it was the Will Ferrell, Julia Louis Dreyfus film, where they're out there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Skiing and. Before that movie started, that was a Fox Searchlight film, and they took Fox out and just said Searchlight Films. And so, yeah, it's it's all changing. Um, but I guess we'll just kind of go into this one. I just want to rate it. So if this is your first time listening, 
We want you to be familiar with our rating system. Oh, I'll give the synopsis on this one. I might as well give the synopsis on this one. Um, which, five, it's five young mutants just discovering their abilities while held in a secret facility against their will, fight to escape their past sins and save themselves. So we're going to go ahead and rate it. And here's our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. We're going to start off with our guest, Quentin. Uh, what did you think about the new mutants and what are you going to rate this one? Um, yeah, so doing this without spoilers, uh, I was very lukewarm about actually seeing the film, so, like, I didn't really care too much. I kind of bought tickets to see it because I wanted to see a movie in theaters because this was the first movie I've seen since, like, February in the theaters, so, I don't know, I was a little hyped for that, but with all of, all of that going in and just kind of like how I wasn't really excited for the movie itself um, I was pleasantly surprised like I'm gonna have to give this for me a, a really high tasted like it's not a Tupperware but it's really high tasted there is a lot of stuff I really enjoyed in this film that I like I said I just didn't expect to enjoy <laughs> New Mutants but I did so I don't know if I'm gonna be alone in this but yeah I'm gonna have to just go with the high tasted all right, high taste it from Quentin and uh, Jake. I know this was uh, you were pretty high on this movie. You were pretty high on the first trailer. You were pretty high on like what you thought the direction was that they were going for in this movie. Which I don't know, man. I don't know if they stuck to that vision. I, it, they did in parts, and in other parts they didn't. Um, but what did you think about the New Mutants? Yeah, yeah, I was pretty high in the trailer. I just liked the idea of doing this with more of a horror bent. And um, I, I kind of wish this would have just gone full-blown R, though. I, I think it really needed it. It was just the middle-of-the-road tasted for me. Uh, I thought it was enjoyable. It wasn't total fucking dreck, but I, it could have been a lot better. Uh, I thought Blue Hunt, who was basically the lead, I would say, that played Moonstar, was absolutely fucking terrible i thought she really brought the movie down her, her acting was not good in my opinion and she had to carry a lot of the dramatic weight going on throughout this entire movie and honestly i think any other of these actors could have done a better job carrying that weight and being the lead um it wasn't that the writing was bad it was that her performances just didn't sell any of this very serious stuff that was happening to her to me so that was kind of a letdown. But yeah, middle of the road, taste it. I'm excited to unpack this. I And I do wish it would have been a full-blown horror R movie. I think this would have been a lot more fun, and the material was definitely there. Oh, my God. I feel like you took the words right out of my mouth when it comes to Blue Hunt. She was my least favorite part of this movie. Yeah. She, there's, and it's, and it's, it's her acting, and then there's like, just her, even her like physical acting. Like there's a part when, when, um, and I'm, this is not a huge spoiler, but there's a part when she's talking to a doctor, and the, you know, there's, there's chaos going on around, uh, you know, uh, the facility that they're at, and she's left in this room after she's been kind of like, you know, under, and uh, trying to, you know, recall things that had happened, 
you know, uh, earlier in her path to the doctor. And she comes out of this state, this, uh, this kind of like, um, hypnotic state. And she walks out and she's all walking like, you know, sideways and like, like she's having a hard time, like, finding her bearings and it just looks so unnatural and i know it's not supposed to be a natural way of like you're not supposed to look natural when you're like you know coming out of something like that but it it looked really bad and not only just and i'm not just saying like oh it's that one scene it's that one scene that really made her like you know stand out as like the bad as the worst there's the dramatic stuff and and you're right like a lot of the weight was carried on her in this movie because it was such a huge role um but i thought that she brought the movie down i thought that they should have probably cast a larger net as far as casting danny moonstar than just settling on blue hunt i don't think she did very well and i think i don't know man you'd think that they would have figured this out maybe a week or two into filming and just been like okay we're gonna we're gonna Eric Stoltz this like Back to the Future, and we're gonna just, you know, we're gonna we're gonna cast Michael J. Fox now or something. They should have recast <laughs> recast her and kept everyone else. Um, I thought I thought Charlie Heaton was fine, but they didn't really explore. There's characters that they explored more than others, and I felt like you could have explored some of these characters a little bit more. I felt like he did not get a lot of exploration with his character. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to give it just, I'm being generous here. I'm going to give it a solid taste it because I was not um, 100% bored in this movie, but it was messy. It was messy. Um, and I don't think it's anything I'll ever watch again unless it's clips because I did for the most part love certain scenes and we'll get into those but i was pleasantly surprised with um anya taylor joy as magic i think it i still think it could have been better but they gave me a lot more than i thought i would get with that character and if you've listened before she's my favorite female um x-men character and i I love her. I think she's just an incredible character. And I think for the most part, they did a, she did a pretty good job with that character. But, um, I'll give it a solid taste it. So I guess we can go ahead and jump into spoilers. I'm going to play the spoiler warning and we're going to unpack this one. This is a pop culture leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your dick hole. You have been warned. Spoiler pussies. Uh, so I guess I mean, was it was, were there parts that were just confusing to you? I don't like as far as like some of the things that were going on in the movie. Like, I think like the like the the final like act where the action started to ramp up was 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 cool, but I think it came off a little confusing at first. I don't know. I might be alone there. Yeah, like in what way and like in what Dr. Reyes was actually doing or responsible for? Was that the confusing part? Uh, a little bit. Like I understood. I start, It started to come to me. At first it was just a little confusing. It started to come to me. But it was like, okay, oh, she's responsible for the force fields. And like 
And then, you know, like, and then, um, I guess like the, um, the, the demons that are after magic, you know? Oh yeah. I never understood that whatsoever. Yeah. There's this whole, like, there's this whole like story that she's going into and it's not really kind of like, you know, explained to us as the audience as to like, what's really going on here. So I mean, and, and I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I just saw it the one time. It's just, it didn't seem like it was, I just don't think that the story was, was, was that polished. No, I agree. I never really understood the transition that happened with Lockheed either. Yeah. What went on there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was very bizarre. I did. Dr. Reyes's powers were very bizarre to me. Like it's, is she always having to concentrate to keep that force field up? But when she, you know, could say need a force field to avoid getting cut the fuck up, she can't get one up in time. Yeah. Like, oh, it seems pretty spotty. And then they knock her out at one point in the movie and the force field, as far as we know, is still up. So like you'd think that, so it, it that force field that it was manipulated by her. She's basically the heart of the force field. They have to stop her in order to get, be able to escape. But if she's knocked out or sleeping, it's still, it's still up. Yeah. I, I didn't The whole force field science was really bad. They should have not had that been tied into Dr. Reyes's powers and been like a separate thing causing that and maybe given her a different power set. I'm not very familiar with this character in the comic books. I don't know if that would be some, giant disrespect to what she does in the comics but yes it it was too much well like okay um and this is definitely based in the same you know singer verse uh it's based in the same oh for sure well i mean because we do get the um we get the the, stuff what's that the essex we get the essex stuff and then we also get the same uh clips that we saw in logan from the facility that they were keeping the children at yeah, I knew that. Okay, I was I was thinking about that when we were watching those videos. Like I've seen these before. Yeah, that, it's the same. Like X twenty three. Yeah, it's the same stuff. So I mean, I, what I didn't understand was, and I maybe I'm just being nitpicky. Like these kids have powers, and you're worried about controlling them while they're in the facility. Shouldn't they? You know, like. You'd think that they have that technology where they can put those those um, uh, collars on them. That we've seen the collars in the other movies, where they put the collars on them and it dampens their powers, where they can't use them. So, like, okay, let's put the collars on, and then when we're training you and you're trying to see if we can control your power, then we take it off. It's almost like they just completely since they they just completely leave that technology out of this. Yeah, I think the reason they choose not to do something like that is so they have it more ambiguous whether or not they're doing a good thing or a bad thing. I think it becomes a little bit more clear if they've got, like, power-dampering necklaces on that it's probably not a good thing happening to them. Well, they, you know, they, they're they always saying, like, the entire movie, like, this is for your own good and let's for to protect other people. Because, you know, we do meet characters in this that have that have killed other people. You know, they, they couldn't control their powers. Um, you know, we had, uh, uh, Charlie Heaton's character and he played, uh, Sam Guthrie at Cannonball. And, you know, he killed his father and then the people in that mine. Um, yeah. we also had, um, 
Bobby. Uh, and he can, you know, manipulate the like solar energy and he killed his girlfriend. You know, when he, when he get, I guess when he, he gets too hot when he gets turned on and he's just fucking, <laughs> Tina's burnt up his girlfriend. Um, so Which I seem like a parallel to Rogue's power. Uh, I, not Rogue's power, but like that from like what we saw in the first X-Men where like she's making out with her boyfriend and like yeah. she's sucking his like life. Right. Or whatever. You can't get, yeah. So. Yeah. You can't get, you know, he's got like one of those fucking like, you know, uh, oh my yeah he's like he's tormented because he's a good looking guy but he can't get close to anybody because he's gonna <laughs> fucking burn him man what a life uh that's gotta suck that's gotta <laughs> fucking suck um i do agree with you that um sam guthrie is one of my favorite of all the characters he's probably my favorite from the comic books and it did feel like he got kind of short shifted when it came to uh plot in any way whatsoever yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, I just think, I, the direction that they took this movie in, it it felt like a Josh Boone movie because I mean, at the, at the beginning, it did feel like kind of like you know all these teens in this place together, and it felt like a teen movie, but they're also mixing in these powers and like these group sessions and stuff like that, which felt very much like a Josh Boone film. But then we did get like the elements of horror in this one. I don't know. I felt like I just kind of wanted it to either be like more dark and R rated or just go full out, just like fun with this one too. like, make it like the breakfast club, but in, you know, cause they're all different. Yeah. They've all got different personalities. Just make it like the breakfast club and then have them in this facility with these horrible things going on. Because honestly, like I didn't laugh too many times and I only heard like my theater laugh maybe once. And it was, it was definitely with, uh, Bobby, you know, like when, when right. he, when I think it was after like Anya Taylor joy did something and he was like that, that's hot. You know, he saw magic do something. He's like, <laughs> that was hot. You know, and like my crowd kind of laughed at that, you know, but other than that, it didn't feel like it, when you go to a Marvel movie, there's a lot of laughing. There's a lot of jokes that land and people, you know, really enjoying what's going on here. I didn't feel either like I, I didn't feel like there were tense moments and I didn't feel um, that there were humorous moments. It just didn't really like fire on many cylinders or any cylinders for me at all. Like it was just really messy. The tone of the movie. Yeah. yeah. The things that were. Oh, sorry, Quentin. No, you go ahead. The things that were supposed to be scary weren't very scary either, I thought was a big problem. Like the horror elements weren't very horrific. I, I don't, I think maybe they needed to do some more practical effects and less blobby CG creature garbage. Yeah. That is, yeah, that is like a big complaint that I have. And that's why, like I said, I, I don't know, like I hate to disagree, but I didn't really find, uh, Danny as bad as you guys thought. Um, and I don't know why, like she was just kind of, it seemed like a run of the mill, like character that we have to follow because she is kind of our introduction to this facility and everything. But I didn't really have a problem with her at all, but like the CGI, um, smile men, like I, I was like amped up when this first started becoming like 
a movie, you know, like in what was it, 2017, and they kept saying that it's going to have this horror element, and I was like, fuck yeah, like we're finally going to get a movie. That, in the X-Men series that like feels like a thriller because they promised that in Dr. Strange and that, that did not deliver either. You know, like we were going to get some horror elements with that. And so I was really excited about this, but I mean, they did look scary, but I mean, like once you get past like, okay, these guys look like cartoons next to, you know, the other characters. And I don't know, it just, it, it didn't grab me as much as I wanted it to. My, I think like one of the problems I had, like there's so many times where they set her character up to do like cool things in my opinion. Like when they're in, when they're kind of all talking together and it's magic who is kind of talking shit to her and then she steps up to her. I just didn't feel like, I don't know, that scene, it didn't, that scene didn't hit me at all. Like it just didn't, she didn't seem convincing that she was standing up to magic and, and that she was like really a threat in this. Right. I, I feel like everything that made her a threat was just stuff that they showed her. I just didn't get like the emotions from her, you know? Her like, emotions were terrible. I, I thought at the beginning when the whole beginning sequence, when we're seeing what happened to her parents, like right then and there, I was like, this is so bad. Like her parents just basically died in front of her. Yeah. And yeah, she, she doesn't seem to sell that at all. Yeah. I, I could totally see that. And it might be just because I'm really focusing on the other characters because, I mean, like like we've said, I love Anya Taylor-Joy and Maisie Williams. I mean, they're all just amazing actors and actresses that we're seeing. And so maybe that's why I wasn't really – like I was paying attention to her, but I wasn't focusing all my attention on her because as an ensemble, I was really getting into like what I was – what we were seeing. And so that could have easily been it that that their acting chops kind of blanketed her terrible acting. And, and, uh, movies do this all the time. Look at the first Thor movie and look at the casting that they did in the first Thor movie. You know, um, right. you know, Anthony Hopkins is Odin and um, um, uh, what's her name? I can't think of her name right now. Rachel. I'm blanking out, too. She's going to be in the third movie. Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. Yeah. I mean, you know, okay, yeah, Natalie yeah. Portman, you know, solid actor and she's been around for a long time and they, they cast, you know, and then, um, um, Oh, what's her name from tin cup? Um, Frigga, um, Renee Russo. Oh, Renee Russo. Yeah, Renee Russo yeah. I mean, they cast these big time actors cause they didn't really know, like, you know, the Hemsworths were, you know, Australian actors and uh, that they had brought over unproven here in America. And we didn't know how everybody was going to think about Chris Hemsworth, the store. And so they surround them with all these actors that we've seen that have like these huge, you know, this huge backlog of films and like have been proven. Um, but you know, Chris Hemsworth, he's the real fucking deal. Like he's, he's, he's turned into, to a pretty damn good actor here. As to where a like, favorite I, for sure. Yeah. As to where I feel like, you know, Blue Hunt just didn't really, I felt like, shh. Have you ever watched a movie where it's like they, it's, it's kind of like a B movie and you, they get just a bunch of like actors you've never heard of. And then there's a few actors that are like, you know, some pretty good actors that have been around for a while and you can tell who's, you know, the seasoned actors. I felt like she was a little out of her element here in this film. Yeah. And it was multiple scenes. I, 
it wasn't just like, oh, this, she was really bad in this one part. It was like every scene where she had to carry weight was bad. I, I thought the scene where her and Rain were kind of discovering their sexuality was a great scene on paper that was completely ruined by Blue Hunt. I don't want to bag, I don't, and we don't want to bag on her this whole time. Like that's the, that's. Oh no, I just wanted to bring up kind of the big key moments where she was awful before we move on to the next thing. Yeah. Cause I All thought right. that was a great scene. Like the plot was really cool. I loved how they kind of foreshadowed it by showing, you know, the kiss from Buffy with Willow and Tara and right. kind of foreshadowing yeah. what was going to happen. And just the whole idea was really cool. And then it was just kind of a emotional performance from her, which was made even more apparent by how good Maisie Williams was in that scene, I thought. Mm-hmm. I will praise fucking Anya Taylor-Joy as magic in this one. I, I, Amazing. I, I thought she was really good. I, I, I do think that under a different director and, um, you know, <laughs> that, that she could have even been better. The character design even could have been better, but overall, because I honestly like the Soul Sword looked cool, but I wanted it bigger, like it is in the comic books, you know? Oh, for sure, <laughs> almost like Cloud Sword from Final Fantasy. Yes, fucking huge. <laughs> yes, yes. Like how, like almost bigger than her. Like that would have been cool to see. Yeah, abs- absolutely, and that's that's the way it is in the comic books, and you know, I. I do think that she was kind of like one of the saving graces of this movie. Um, I'm still. Yeah, I like how much of a mean girl they made her. Yeah. Like, well, that I was really say sold into like that. the breakfast clubness of the whole thing. That yeah. was really well done, I thought. I think that like they did, they did what they had to with her because you have to have the cliche bitch of the bunch. And she plays that role really well. Like she is very standoffish. I mean, she calls, um, she calls Danny new girl all the time and, you know, just like, just, yeah, just being a bitch. But like, I wanted to see more of just her, like actually in, enjoying Danny or like something because it felt like it was just a switch. Like there wasn't any scene that really proved that Danny's one of them, you know, like she, I don't know. Am I, am I alone in thinking that? No, it just seemed like the only thing that the only switch that was there was just finding out what their fate actually was, not like any kind of kinship or friendship between the characters. Yeah, Yeah. I wanted a scene with just the two of them because we didn't all we got was hostility between the two. And then all of a sudden they're working together, you know. Yeah. Well, even yeah. though they're trying to work together, it's almost like they're working against each other because, you know, let's skip ahead. I mean, basically we find out like all these terrible things that are manifesting within the facility are being created of a power of Danny Moonstars that she can't control. She brings to life everyone's worst fear. And right. so, I mean, even then, like you'd think characters, you know, as a team fighting side by side, you know, that would bring them together. But they're not really all working together at, you know, in, 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 in that respect, I guess, cause she's still kind of like, you know, even she's still kind of like a villain in, in this movie. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And even when they realize that that's the fact, there's really no like dialogue or like any kind of apology really, or it's just kind yeah. of, Oh, well we have to work together because of Dr. Reyes. Would you cheer? And let's say Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness comes out. Would you cheer if Doctor Strange finds himself in limbo and they bring Anya Taylor-Joy's magic into the MCU? 
Oh, bring yes. it. Bring it. Make it happen. Would you cheer? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I would. Yeah, I would definitely do. I would love to see Anya Taylor-Joy in the Marvel Universe, like, as one of the key members, because, like, I, I just want more of her. And that character, what for me, was the best character. Everything with her was great, and I enjoyed it. So, like, seeing her come and, like, join the, like, Avengers or whatever, I I mean, sign me up. Well, the character is so fucking cool in the comics. Like, you know, she, she, you know, she's like in hell and she gets trained by an alternate version of Storm and Kitty Pride. <laughs> like, it's, it's a fucking badass origin. She's got um, an incredible fucking origin. So I don't, they, I don't yeah. think that they'd ever do that in the MCU. And I don't know if we'll ever see magic in the MCU. But um, I would cheer in the theater if they brought I, – because I would love to see more of Anya Taylor-Joy as Magic. I think she has the chops. I think she can play the character. And I think under a different director, um, this could be fan-fucking-tastic with her in, in that role. So, Yeah, I agree. I read that there was a post-credit sequence that Disney mm-hmm. ordered to be taken out of this movie. Yeah, Josh Boone then replaced it with the Bill Sankiewicz art. Because yes, he, he yes. knew that this was not gonna, you know, they're not gonna go anywhere with it. But I think, th- I think that they still could, if they did Multiverse of Madness, I still think that they could pull her character out of like limbo and bring her in. They can pick and choose what they want, just like what DC's doing, you know, what, what, what they're probably gonna be doing in this, uh, you know, Flashpoint movie, you know, keeping what they like and then getting rid of what doesn't work. Right. Yeah, and knowing really Raimi's hope. doing that movie, I would love to see like Raimi's vision of what that hell looks like, and I'm sure Raimi would do a little bit more with her sword as far as yeah. the visuals and the you know comparing and contrasting the size. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So that, that would be awesome. Yeah, and I think she would definitely fit in with that world before they found a, another way to bring her into into to the MCU. But back to this movie, what did you guys think about Demon Bear? <sighs> That's why I give this a high tasted and not a Tupperware. Um, it looked cool, but like when you see it chomped down, Dr. Reyes, I'm just like, what the fuck? Like that's, that's the big bad. I was kind of underwhelmed. What'd you think? Yeah, Jake? I, I wasn't the biggest fan of it either. It, it just, it wasn't scary in any way whatsoever as like the big final giant monster in the movie. So and the, the foreshadowing was really heavy handed with it too. doing the uh, mood star narration about the two different bears. You kind of right. saw this coming a mile away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with the bear necklace, I mean, it was all written right there. But like, I still didn't think that I was like, well, I mean, they're not really going to make it a bear, are they? Oh, they did. OK. Well, I mean, Demon Bear is in the comics and it just it's just I don't know. I it Demon Bear at the end of the day. Look like one of those, uh, one of those, uh, like one of those bears that you'd see on one of those Native American sweatshirts that you, <laughs> that, you that you would buy at like a gas station. You know what I mean? Yes, totally. Right. That's so you, a very good description. It is really good. I like that. You can buy your your Chevy trucker's cap, <laughs> and then you can also buy your Demon Bear Native American sweatshirt. And and you're, right next to the Wolf Moon shirt, <laughs> Wolf yeah. Moon shirt, and you're good to go. 
I don't know. I don't know, man. It, this movie was not terrible, though. I like I there was stuff this. I, I know we've only talked about the stuff we didn't like, but I mean, there was a lot of stuff that 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 I did like about this movie as well. You know, I like I did like some of their interactions when they're just teenagers hanging out and talking with one another. Uh, I liked it when they when they snuck away to the attic and they were doing the truth or the the the. It was it was it was a game of it was supposed to be truth or dare, but it was just truth, and they were using a, a lie detector, and, you know, stuff like that. I thought was fun, and and um, but uh, I don't know. Overall, I was just I was. It's not like I was let down. I didn't have high hopes going into this one anyway. Right. No, I, I also really appreciate movies that all take place like in one set, and this like ninety five percent of this movie all took place within the confines of the school and the yard. And I really appreciated that. I, mm-hmm. That makes me wish it would have been full-blown our horror, though, because I think that kind of thing really lends itself to that thematic where you just get really claustrophobic because you're never leaving this set. Yeah, And it's like almost a burst of joy when the characters are finally able to escape the set that you, the audience, have been trapped on for the last two hours. But you don't really get that in the payoff of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, they're saying, like, I read an article, like, what was it? Forbes said that this was the worst X-Men movie ever made. I, I disagree yeah, with get that. Get the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. I disagree with that. I, I mean, I would have to put probably, you know, Apocalypse and, and X-Men Last Stand at the, at the bottom, you know. Yeah, Dark Phoenix is there too. Yeah, it's um, Dark Phoenix. Apocalypse. Yeah, any basically any X Men movie past Days of Future Past was worse than this. Wolverine, not, lo, not counting Logan. Yeah, Wolverine Origins is also pretty bad. So, yeah, right. I, I, yeah, I, I guess it, I saw it. <laughs> I've seen it. Yeah. I've it's saw, over. It happened. It happened. Yeah, We've I'm s- not buying the Blu-ray when it comes out. Like uh, I just, I don't care enough, you know. But like I. I had fun. Like I said, I'm I'm staying with my high tasted because I had a lot of fun and it exceeded my expectations to a point where I was enjoying the film that I paid money for and not just seeing it just to see it. You know what I mean? If I had to guess what the post credit scene was, I, it's just another. I think it would be just another Essex teaser of the Essex Corporation. Maybe actually seen seen Sinister. Maybe? I don't think that they cast Mr. Sinister. If they if we did see him, it would be kind of like that uh the first reveal of Thanos where we get like a full CGI, you know, and just like some random actor doing the like the motion capture. Maybe right. even just the red eyes in the dark or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. It's kind of a depressing send-off to the Singerverse in that way. Where I'm more so than any of the last few X-Men movies, it did feel like there was some more stuff to do after the fact. And we're never going to see anything after the fact. Right. Mm-hmm. Did you read those responses from uh, Bob McCloud? No. Uh, New Mutants comic book co-creator Bob McCloud took to Twitter on August 28th to voice his opinion on the New Mutants movie. Which I will point this out. He has not seen the movie yet. But anyway, on August 28th, he tweeted... I was very excited when I heard they were making a New Mutants movie. I thought making it into a horror movie was perhaps an interesting idea, but not at all how the character should be introduced to the public at large. But hey, my character's in a movie. I never would would have thought that would actually happen. But then I was disappointed when they didn't give Danny braids. uh, Although I like Blue Hunt. 
I was disappointed when Rain wasn't a redhead with spiky hair, although I adore Maisie Williams. I was disappointed that Sam isn't tall and gawky, although I do like Charlie Heaton. But mainly, I was very disappointed that Roberto isn't short and dark-skinned. Yet, another example of Hollywood whitewashing, there's just no excuse. So, basically, Josh Boone erased everything I contributed to the way the characters look, and now the movie has come out at last, and apparently they've credited someone named Bob MacLeod as co-creator. They spelled his name wrong in the post-credits. They spelled his name wrong. It's MC. It's MC. It's MC Cloud and McCloud, but they spelled it M-A-C. And he goes on to say they couldn't even be bothered to check the spelling of my name sometime in the last three years. And that can't be yeah. fixed. That will be on the movie forever. I think I'm done with this movie. Maybe, maybe. I'm sure that's actually easily fixable for like Blu-ray releases and VOD releases. I think it is. I think it is too. But yeah, um, I, give me the McLeod cut. Give me the correct McLeod cut with the. You know what I mean? Like, they, well, they fucking they changed the way the stars looked in the Titanic sky for the re-release in theaters, so they can definitely just change the, his fucking name when it comes up for Blu-ray. Yeah, Jesus, was he stuck in the '60s with these movies? And I think other than his. Um, sunspot complaint which i think is a very valid complaint i think the other complaints are like the worst kind of comic book movie fan complaints Mm -hmm. like that shit always bothers me it's like oh it's gotta look exactly like they look in the comic book i think i think he was doing that thing of like you know um things come in threes it's better to put thing in threes so like he he did like three actors that he was upset with yeah. Oh, she didn't have oh, braids. No. Oh, he wasn't tall enough. Get oh, he was, a, he was upset with four people. So he didn't do it in threes. Yeah. Yeah, no. And like I said, other than his sunspot complaint, which I think is very valid yeah. and a little bit of a, a miscast, the rest of those complaints are just terrible. Like, obviously, he hated Hugh Jackman as Wolverine for the very same reasons. Because he's tall. Like if, yeah, if this is those guys' complaints, then he's hated every comic book movie that's ever fucking come, came out. Like, he hated all the Spider-Man movies. He hated all the Avengers movies. Like, if this is all it takes for Bob McCloud, then fucking spell his name even worse. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I wouldn't go that far. That's mean. Um, I... <laughs> <laughs> they and they spelled my first name backwards, you know. <laughs> it's in code. But um no, it's it's I it's one of those things where it's like when it's your th- creation and it's near and dear to you. You know what I mean? That's when it I think like he could he no, I get it. Yeah. Though. But I I understand what you're saying too. I mean, like that's the thing. Like if if we went by the comic book Wolverine, we would they would have cast like um, an actor that's five foot three or five foot four to play the role, you know, or or at least make them look shorter when they're doing the movie. But I mean, I'm totally fine, fine with with Wolverine being six foot tall. I have no problem. Yeah, he's like one step away from complaining about eye color, and that just rubs me the wrong way. Like, I, that's the kind of nitpicky shit that just drives me nuts. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they're his babies, I guess. I get it. Apparently, he hasn't read the last 30 years of comics that came after he did it, though, because I'm sure they were interpreted a million different ways, even there as well. Right. (laughs) 
Uh, what? Moodstar doesn't have her braids in this issue? Fuck this. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> this really angered you. <laughs> wow. I, I just, those are, like, it's a little bit different coming from the creator than it is from some fucking basement dweller fan. Yeah, but, yeah. But it's still annoying to me. Sure. Like, Come on, man. When you he, translate stuff, it can't be exactly page to screen. He did say, you know, he did say, but hey, my mo- my characters are in the movie. I think what really set him off was the fact that they fucking misspelled his fucking name. <laughs> <laughs> and, dude, people do it Pretty to me all the that. time. They spell my name with a Y all the fucking time, or they spell my name brain. It happens to me, all- and I, I go off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I set in it. stone, though. Your brain forever now. It can't be changed. How would you re- How would you recommend seeing this one, Quentin? Would you see it? Would, would you say go out, wear a mask, watch this in the theater, or would you say wait for this one to hit? You know, fucking um, Hulu or or Redbox or oh, I think it's supposed to come out on HBO. They got a deal worked out. With, Fox had a deal worked out with Warner Brothers. Are you going to wait for this one to come out on HBO Max, or do you tell people if the theaters are open, uh, be safe, wear a mask, go see it in theaters? Um, I'd say just wait. But if you're really itching to see a movie, then go see it. But yeah, I mean, like it it won't it won't hurt you to just wait. You know, you you, you if you read the reviews, just that's all you got to do. Jake, what are you thinking? You thinking uh, VOD or you thinking HBO Max, theaters? What are you thinking? Yeah, if you didn't see this already in the theater, then, yeah, don't go. You can wait. I, I bet this will be fast-tracked for VOD as well, too. I expect this to be available on VOD before the end of October. Would you say get it on VOD or wait for it to be on HBO Max? Um, I would rent it for $10 or less or wait for HBO Max. I would tell everybody just watch this on HBO Max. Wait till this hits yeah. HBO Max. If you have HBO, H, uh, HBO Max, just watch it there. Cause I don't think that this is worth going to the theater for. Uh, but I, of course I went to the theater to see it, but I do a fucking podcast. So there you go, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same, same, same. Did you guys, um, some quick trailer talk? Did you yeah. get the trailer where, um, the kids were being terrorized by the creature? I forget what the name of this movie was. It was like some, it almost reminded me of the Babadook, but it was some creature that like attached itself to this kid. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I I know exactly what you're talking about. It's that tall, lanky creature that fucking like it's, and the kid's using the phone with augmented reality. And isn't the kid autistic? Correct. Correct. I thought that trailer reminded me very much of the new mutants and that CG kind of ruined the horror. I, I thought like, Never once in that trailer was I afraid of the bad CG blobulous character chasing after these kids. Like, I think practical effects really work so much better when it comes to horror. Thank you. I agree, too. Yeah. I agree, too, man. But, like, that's the thing. It's like you can't pull off that demon bear with practical effects. Yeah, yeah. But I do think you can pull off these kind of, like, you know, almost human monsters chasing after you. Like to me, there was not much difference between that creature in the trailer and the creatures that were terrorizing magic. Like they could have mm-hmm. been the same creatures for all I knew. The creatures that were fucking terrorizing magic, the smile men, like I, I felt like I, I felt like I had just entered a, um, resident evil movie and I wasn't watching new mutants. I was like, I felt like I was watching like a resident evil film. 
I was like, yeah, I agree with that. I thought they were way less scary once the mask came off, too. I thought the smile mask was very off putting Mm -hmm. just the emotion that it had. And then once the mask came off, you're you're exactly right. It might as well have been Resident Evil, Silent Hill. It was just some CG graphic monster that elicited no emotion for me. Yeah, at least they made the decision to give it kind of like that no eyes H.R. Geiger kind of look, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, from a design perspective, it wasn't the worst thing, but mm-hmm. just it just looks so phony. Oh, totally. Totally. <laughs> I'm sure Bob McCloud hated that as well, Jake. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He's, in his latest tweet, he said, you know who's not a smile man right now? Me. I'm very sad because they spelled my name wrong. Um, He's got that grumpy face with his arms yeah. crossed. <laughs> All right. I think we're going to wrap this one. Uh, Quentin, I want to thank you for joining us. Quentin, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on uh, my podcast, The Real Zodiac, which uh, Brian mentioned earlier. Um, I do that with uh, Amanda, and we always have a guest. We've had Brian on uh, a couple times, and I've addressed this um, to like people who've asked, but I'm just going to say it as kind of a blanket statement. I know that there are a lot of episodes not on there. I'm uh, going to just put the re put them out um, as Zodiac throwbacks. Um, they're all episodes that we just did last year that aren't on this new feed. So as soon as like the next month comes, I'll put I'll put one out for uh, that genre. So. If you see that it's a Zodiac throwback, it's just from 2019, so don't get confused. But that's just to answer any questions because mostly, uh, it's mostly the army that listens to our podcast. So, I mean, I know they're going to hear it from here. So, well, just wanted uh, to say that. And you just uh, uploaded, you told me that you just uploaded your newest episode, which is uh, Project Power. So, if people want to know what you thought about uh, uh, Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon Levitt and Project Power, they should listen to that new episode. Yeah, and we have uh, Melissa Sloter, who you guys had on last week. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so we had a lot of fun talking about it, and she's great at talking about films that she's passionate about. So um, it was a lot of fun to just kind of pick her brain because that's mostly why we did it was so that we could ask Melissa how she liked the film. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I have to check that one out. <laughs> but I want to thank everybody for listening to our review of The New Mutants. Also, check out our new episode, uh, Pop Culture Leftovers. Episode 347 is coming up right after this. So, all right, everybody. See ya. Latest. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, paint, erase it, let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, push over. Pop culture. Leftover. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. 